Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on in the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends, welcome to Level 74 of Laugh It Up Fuzzball, and I guess I should just say, Happy New Year! Hey, Happy New Year, welcome! Thanks for sticking around and continuing on in 2018 with Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I realize January 1st is actually the first episode of the year, but as I recorded that with Danny and Blue and his top 10s and it covered 2017, I'm like, eh, I guess, yeah, it's the first one. It was the New Year's Day podcast, but this is actually... The first of the new year. And and, and as it should be, because it's Laugh It Up Buzzball, singular most of the time. A solo episode where I'm just going to talk about all the stuff, all the geeky goodness. And, you know, we're just, we're going to fly into it. There's there's quite a bit of content. I've actually been using this time off from school to do a little bit of catching up, so to speak. So we're going to go right into Flavor of the Geek. And Flavor of the Geek, of course, is where we talk about whatever geeky flavors sound good. And I guess just because it's a new year... Same podcast, no new Wookiee, just just the the same old same sameity same sameness of me. But we're gonna I'm just look ahead at 2018. I know that me, Danny, and Blue did this, but not really in any sort of a long-winded way. Or maybe we did, and I just don't remember it. It was a good time talking to those guys. It always flies by in a whir- whirl. But I I have 26 movies that I say are geek movies, but you know, you could argue that one way or the other that I'm looking forward to. I'm just like, wow. I didn't go back and count how many movies in 2017, but I know the list looks smaller in paragraph form. So take that as you will. But really 2018, February, I'm I'm actually sort of excited that January, there isn't anything specific that I want to, sorry about that little pause as I, I took off my, my King sweatshirt with Darth Vader on it. Yes. Yes. I even combined my hockey and uh, and Star Wars love. Actually, it's total digression, but for Christmas, my roommates got me a Chewbacca with a hockey stick shirt, and they also got me these really cool Chewbacca feeties that are on my feet right now, just fuzzing feeties. I've never, actually, since I've been an adult, haven't had a pair of feeties that fit, so there you go. I have pictures or it doesn't happen. Well, maybe someday. <laughs> I don't know, but February is when the first movie happens. Yay for January, just being TV starting and just ramping back into school going on. But Black Panther, of course, February 16th. Wowza. This is a movie I'm for sure going to see either on opening day or close to opening day. I cannot wait to see this movie. And yes, I, I think all of my friends, that African-American and minority, that that are really excited. Like, so this is how white people feel? And good. I hope there's, I hope there's more feelings because I really hope that someday it's just like, so this is how people feel. Like when good things happen, you know, I wish, you know, everybody could just hump until we were all great. But that that's, I guess, a podcast, a different podcast, not a geeky podcast. But Black Panther, a lot of people love this character in the comics and it's exciting. And, you know, there's there's even more excitement with the whole, you know, Disney Fox. And could we get a time where Storm actually is in the Black Panther story? Yes, please. That'd be a really great way to have Storm from the from the X-Men universe. 
I I just I'm really super stoked. I'm already ready for sequels of this movie, and I haven't even seen the first one. It it's the director from Creed off the top of my head. That's not the name's not popping in, but I, I all the trailers look amazing. And uh, yeah, it start the year off right, and maybe start it off so good where all the other movies aren't so great. I will say of this list of 26, I'll probably differentiate whether I know for sure whether I'm going to go see it or whether I might see it just based on funding or time. Because the next movie, while I'm really excited about it, it's Annihilation, February 23rd. I'm not not sure that it's actually a movie that I'll catch immediately in theaters or if I'll end up watching, you know, on Redbox later. But it's just everything that I want in there. My my beautiful love, Padme Amidala. Not my other love. That's my real love. That's my reality. But, you know, Natalie Portman, I'm a big fan. And if you like Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaacs, well, I don't think he's going to be in this movie a lot. He is also in the movie. And it is uh, the same guy that did Ex Machina, which is a movie I recently watched that I really, really enjoyed. And uh, it looks cool. Something is something's messing with the earth and, and changing things. And um, something happens to Natalie Portman's character's husband. Spoiler, that's Oscar Isaacs. But it's in the trailer, so if you saw the trailer, it's there. And now she's going to go investigate. And, and and bad crap will happen in a, in a sci-fi amazing way. So there you go. The next movie on the list, we're actually going to March. This I just put it on here literally because it's uh, Danny was saying, hey, they finally did a Black Widow movie, but it's not Black Widow. And it's Red Sparrow uh, that comes out March 2nd. You're going to get to see a, uh, a uh, sexy, seductive Russian spy in all sorts of action. And uh, Jennifer Garner is the main character who you would know as Mystique from the newer X-Men movies. And and yeah, it, it, I, I, I see where Danny's coming from, that it might be a Black Widow movie-esque, if you will. Well, I mean, I guess if it does really well, maybe that'll get us a Black Widow movie, finally. We'll see. On March 9th, though, A Wrinkle in Time is coming out. Well, the trailers are really colorful and wonky and bonkers. I, I'm excited for it, and I think uh, it might do really well. It is uh, Ava DuVernay is the director, and yay for female directors getting to be awesome. And <laughs> Natalie Portman, actually, just recently in the Golden Globes, uh, said the best directors and made sure to point out that they were all men. So it, it would be good. I mean, talent talent comes out, and I don't, it doesn't really matter what your gender is. If you're a good director, you should get the opportunities. And um, it's time. It's time, and this is another step in the right direction. You get Wonder Woman, and if a wrinkle in time does really well, if people enjoy it. I guess I don't even care about money-wise, but if people enjoy it, then, yeah, more and more chances. Also in March is Tomb Raider. This is a movie that I'm probably not rushing to the theater to see just because video game adaptations often aren't the best thing. They already had the, you know, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies. This is actually uh, with the chick who played the cyborg in Ex Machina. It's funny how all the world all relates that way. I can't think of her name right now. I'll probably think of it later. Maybe I'll... Well, maybe I'll mention it when it hits my brain pan, but Tomb Raider, if you're a big fan of those video games, I've only seen them played. I've never played them myself. And yes, yeah, Alicia Vikander, that's her name. She looks very pretty. And you know, she's going to be wearing short shorts and uh, and showing off her abdomen. So uh, there you go. And maybe if the director is the same as uh, you know Wonder Woman being directed in Justice League, I guess she'll have all the crotch shots she wants, which is bad. Uh, not not real, not endorsed by the Wookiee. That's not the kind of filmmaking that I need. But we do also in March get Pacific Rim Uprising. I'm going to go right out there and say I haven't seen the Pacific Rim movie. I actually have not seen the Robo Mechs versus Kaiju movie, and I want to. So my goal is before March 23rd, I'm actually going to watch Pacific Rim just to see if I'm really excited for John Boyega taking on Striker Pentecost. I think he's a character from the first movie. His 
nephew or son or whatever he is, and fighting super kaiju in in the in the robots. <laughs> and I know uh, Charlie Hunnam, I guess, from Sons of Anarchy, is uh, in the first movie, so I'm I'm excited to watch that. I'm I don't, I'm not expecting much, so. We'll see. One of my friends, Nick, is really into it. In fact, so into it, actually, once said that his soul is inherently Chinese. So, yeah, but the Pacific has much more than just China. you got all the different stuff, and it's probably more Japanese when I'm thinking Pacific. But I don't know. I haven't seen it. A movie I am excited for, that a lot of people aren't, sort of shocks me, but I guess maybe I'm just a sucker for, for all of the nostalgia and feels. Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One, based off a book that actually is on my bucket list to read. Not my bucket list, not something I want to do before I die, but just on my list to read. I'm really excited for Ready Player One. I've really enjoyed all the trailers so far. I like seeing all the stuff in there, and that's March 30th, and I can't wait. I, I will be going to see that movie in there. So I guess so far we have uh, two, two movies in for sure. I'll be going to see Black Panther and Ready Player One. I'll probably go see A Wrinkle in Time too, considering depends on whether I actually get movie pass. That's something that I'm thinking about doing. But yeah, I will certainly be going to see Ready Player One in theaters. Then we go to April, April 13th. You get New Mutants and Yes Friends. I'm going to see New Mutants. I am very excited for this horror movie, X-Men movie. I hope it does really well where Disney's like, yes, please keep this stuff. And that's, oh, the trailer looks great. I can't wait to see another trailer for it. And, and I'm excited. And, you know, if you're if you're a big fan of uh, of Game of Thrones, you get, uh, I can't think of her name for it, but uh, you get, uh, what's her noodle? Um, oh, man, now my brain's not thinking. Sansa's sister. So, yeah, she's no one. That's who she really is. So if you watch the show Game of Thrones, she's no one. And I can't think of either the actress's name or the character's name, but it is Ned Stark's youngest daughter. And uh, it, it'll come to me, and then I'll punch myself in the face because I really enjoy that Game of Thrones stuff. April 20th also has Rampage, uh, based on a video game from my youth. I do remember the video game. I remember people playing it. I never was really crazy into it. Plus, I was a poor kid. I couldn't afford the quarters. Every once in a while, I'd get lucky. I'd be able to play Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man at this restaurant. We'd go to it every once in a while for family dinners because the chicken dinner was super cheap. But... Rampage, you're going to have an albino gorilla and maybe a crocodile and some other... I saw the trailer and I already forgot about it. But you're going to get The Rock as uh, the main character of it. And they're going to destroy... They're going to rampage through the city. And, and maybe it'll be good. And yeah. All right, yeah. So, wow. Okay, we're going to keep going. May 4th, a movie I'm going to see. A movie everybody's going to see. Avengers Infinity War. Come on. Come on. It's that is That is my most anticipated movie of 2018. I will be there. I will probably see it twice. The only reason I might not see it twice is because on May 25th, Solo, A Star Wars Story is coming out. Now, I, I really don't care that a lot of people are not excited for Solo, think it's going to be garbage. That's fine. I'll, I'll probably see it once or twice. I'll definitely see it once, and uh, we'll see how it turns out. I actually have a lot of hope for this movie. I don't think it's going to be the best Star Wars movie ever, but I'm not expecting it to be the best Star Wars movie ever. It would take it would take a tall order to be better than Empire Strikes Back for me. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Solo Star Wars. May is a great month. And really, June 1st, you get Deadpool 2, which is another movie that I'm excited for. I want to see what's going on with Deadpool and Domino and, yeah, and, and Blind Al and Ryan Rod, John Ryan. Ryan Reynolds, not Ryan Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, I am stoked for it. And June's also a great month because you get The Incredibles 2, 
And and yeah, like 13 years later, you finally get a sequel. That's okay, because a lot of people argue that The Incredibles, the first movie, was the best Fantastic Four movie that's come out. So yes, let's let's see The Incredibles and see how really, really good it is. I'm excited for it. I think uh, I want to see what's going on with Jack-Jack and with, with everything. I, I'm super stoked for it. And then, you know, June, you also, on the 22nd of June, get Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Ah, I, based on the trailer, I'm not terribly excited, but it's Jurassic Park, the franchise of Jurassic Park, and I'm in. I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see what the hell is going on with the volcano and dinosaurs. And, uh, and I'm going to be sad when dinosaurs die. Because it looks like some dinosaurs are going to die, and that's not okay. In July, we get Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second Marvel movie of the year. That's July 6th. And yeah, that's July 4th weekend, and I, I cannot wait to see what's going to go on with Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. And then everything going on with the Wasp. I, I, I'm excited for it. And then, of course, Sharon Stone is going to be in the movie as the original Wasp. And then, yeah, it's gonna, you're going to get actually a basic instinct reunion in this movie with Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone. You're not going to get crazy sex scene and ice picks, I'm sure, but you're going to – hopefully they just do a joke. I'd be okay with that. Just a little joke. July also has Alita Battle Angel. Yes, please. Yes, please. Ticket for, ticket for Joey, a movie I didn't know I was excited for until I saw the trailer for it. I know some people don't like the big eyes on the character, don't like some of the CGI. I don't care. I, it's an anime I didn't even watch, and I, I'm excited to go see Alita Battle Angel. Although, anime fans will want to call it Battle Angel Alita, because that's what it's called in the anime world. And that's fine. That's A-OK. -okay. Call it what you want. Just go support it. Go support movies like this if you're interested. Robert Rodriguez, yes, please. I like the way he shoots movies, and I'm excited for it. In August, you get The Predator. Uh, I don't really know much about it. I just know there's going to be a new Predator movie. And uh, yeah, if, if that's your thing, I think it's exciting. It might be a movie I wait for video, though. No kidding, I might wait for video. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see what the new Predator, when they did Predators, I actually really, really liked that movie. I, I enjoyed that one a lot. That was good. Uh, <laughs> really a movie that you may know nothing about, but August 17th, The Happy Time Murders. Literally a dark murder mystery from Jim Henson Studios. So you were going to get Muppets. And murder. The Muppet Time Murders. And I cannot really... It, it's, I'm just so excited for it. Super duper 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 excited for it. I think, uh, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm going to check it out. For sure. The Happy Time Murders, August 17th. In October, so September doesn't have anything on my list. Venom. This is Sony's first uh, Spider-Man Universe movie without Spider-Man. Tom Hardy as Venom. Many more actors. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting, and I'm probably in there, and it's R-rated, and you're going to get Carnage, and uh, and not just Carnage is in bloody violence, you're, you're probably going to get Carnage, the character. A movie I slipped into my geek list for October 12th, you may not have heard about it, but First Man, all about the first man on the moon. So yeah, I'm excited for it. As a kid, I loved NASA stuff, my grandfather was actually involved in NASA stuff through Hughes Aircraft back when there was a Hughes Aircraft. So I'm always a sucker for space movies. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for First Man that comes out October 12th. One small step for Wookiees, one giant step for Geekdom. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's too much. But First Man, October 12th. On November 2nd, X-Men Dark Phoenix. And yes, I actually am really looking forward to this movie. I have a lot of faith that they will see what people did not like about 
uh, X-Men Apocalypse, even though I enjoyed that movie when I saw it in theaters. I thought it was good popcorn fun. But yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to be good. And I've heard rumors that it's really, they sort of meant for this to be part one of two movies. And, and who knows? Like maybe, maybe that is the case. Maybe that is truly the case. And we're going to get some really, really good stuff. Uh, also in November, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. This is the second Fantastic Beasts movie. I loved the piss out of the first Fantastic Beasts movie. I left that theater. I had such a good time. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing Johnny Depp. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing Johnny Depp and Woody Boots Grindelwald. More, I'm looking forward to seeing Jude Law as a young Dumbledore. And for the, the talked about gay romance between the two men, uh, I don't actually want to see anything nitty gritty or deep down, but I'm, I'm okay seeing you know two people loving each other regardless whether they're men or women, especially when it's done right, and especially because I have friends and close people in my life that have no choice. They they like the same same gender, and that's just the way it is. But I still love them because they're people, and it's all about their insides. I uh, don't hate on people because they don't like pizza. I love pizza, but if you don't like pizza, that's fine. I sort of think of it the same way. It's sort of it's just a decision. It's uh, it's the it's the way you think, and uh, yeah, and I'm not gonna go any further than that. If you if you have, I I really think if you're a homophobe, then you probably shouldn't be listening to my podcast. But you know, hopefully uh, I can wear you down over time to where you actually decide to be a decent person. And uh, <laughs> I'm talking to this imaginary person who listens to the podcast right now. That's ridiculous. But uh, I'm I'm excited for Crimes of Grindelwald. Also, November 21st, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2. This is actually one that wasn't, I realized it wasn't on my list and felt bad about myself. That's why I went from 25 when I recorded with Danny and Blue to 26. Yes, please. I can't wait. And Disney Princess is in there and more old video game references. And I'm excited for it. I, I can't wait. They have my money. In December, Aquaman. Yes, I'm really excited for a DC movie. I, I like the iteration of Aquaman from Justice League. Uh, I actually thought I was going to like him more in Justice League, so I'm prepared to finally get just him on the screen and see how much I enjoy it. Uh, James Wan, you know, horror director doing a DC movie. It's the only DC movie they have coming out that year, and uh, I'm sure it's probably already wrapped photography. They're just working on special effects, and I'm really looking forward to the Aquaman movie. I think it could be a lot of fun. Then that's December 21st, December 25th. Mary Poppins returns. Yes, friends, I'm in for it. I like the first Mary Poppins. I like the music. And I, I want to see what Lin-Manuel Miranda working with with Disney and then with the actors coming to the, the movie, what what it is. And this is Mary Poppins returning when the children are older. And I'm stoked for it. And then just one that I threw on my list because I'm a sucker for musical movies, Bohemian Rhapsody, December 25th. I, I will be seeing Mary Poppins Returns before I see Bohemian Rhapsody. But I, I'm really excited to see a biopic about the lead singer queen. I think, I think it could be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll see. I actually went through while I was talking about all these movies and highlighted the ones that I know I'm going to see. Black Panther, Ready Player One, New Mutants, Avengers Infinity War, Solo, Deadpool 2, The Incredibles 2, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Ammon and the Wasp, Alita Battle Angel, Happy Time Murders, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Fantastic Beasts of Crimes of Grindelwald, Rock Breaks the Internet, Aquaman, and Mary Poppins Returns. So I guess I have 60. No, because I highlighted first fan too. No, it was Venom that I highlighted. So 17 out of 26 that I know for a fact I'm going to see. But I just I wanted to start the year off by actually uh, mentioning all of these these geeky movies for all of you, and just so you you would know what's coming out, what I'm excited for, just some initial thoughts, and I'm sure I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunity to talk some more about this stuff in the future. But let's keep going with Flavor of the Geek. I've already 
Heck, I, I guess I should probably check. I've already talked for probably like 17 minutes. Oh, 19 minutes. Good job, Wook. Just about 2018. So yeah, the New Year episode. Just uh, true to form, just rambling about stuff. We got some news that Sci-Fi has optioned the right to George R. R. Martin's novella Night Flyers for a new show. I know nothing about this, but I did look up the novella on Amazon. There was a short synopsis that says it's stories of a starship crew who begin mysteriously dying one by one. Electronic zombies, recreational warfare, primitive alien culture, and an experiment in deep space. That sounds intriguing. So intriguing that I actually kept looking up synopses and found this one on Goodreads. Nine misfit academics on an expedition to find the Volcron, a mythic race of interstellar nomads, and the only ship available for this strange quest is the Nightflyer, a cybernetic wonder with a never-seen captain. Nine innocents are about to find themselves in deep space, trapped with an insane murderer who can go anywhere, do anything, and intends to kill them all. Woo! I, I enjoyed George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones books, and this, this synopsis is enough to have me interested in the show. It really sounds like it's right up sci-fi's alley. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know when it comes out. I just I just know they optioned it. So we'll we'll have more news as it appears. Also, Black Lightning. I'm so excited that it's coming out next week, January 16th. But if you if you want another reason to get excited, on December 24th there was a new trailer, which is all sorts of urban, all sorts of awesome. There's hip hop playing in the background. Black Lightning coming out of retirement to save a city from crime. Yes, that sort of sounds like Arrow, but it's it's not Star City. It's uh it's his city, and uh, he's an older superhero, and it's gonna be family and gritty, and it, it just looks cool. It really, I think, uh, as Danny would say, it's another show to make him feel like a strong black man. And uh, if you were a fan of Luke Cage, this has his vibes of Luke Cage in there. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I've actually seen some initial reactions. Some people have seen the, the pilot of it and said it's, it's prepare yourself for something new. Same Berlantiverse, the DCW, but we'll, we'll see how good it is. I, I think it really could be quite amazing. Uh, the next thing just is a, just a real quick review. I actually finally watched uh, Baymax Returns, which uh, if you don't know, Baymax Returns is basically sort of like, it's a movie, but it, it's like two episodes of a show, but it's all together in one story that makes sense. Follows right after the, the computer animated movie of Big Hero 6. This is meant to be the pilot for Big Hero 6, the series. Um, I watched this on Disney XD's app. I did it for free, and it was a lot of fun. You get a hero bringing back Baymax and then having to deal with the bad guy from when he was doing the bot fights in uh, New Fransokyo and then you get all of Wasabi and all of the characters. It's important to note that the voice cast from the 2014 film came back for this and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was delightful. I watched it before going to sleep and I, I, I watched it. Didn't even fall asleep. I was just like, oh, this is cute. I really enjoyed it. I, I like it. And it's based off a comic. If you haven't read the comic, Big Hero 6 is a Marvel. Marvel has rights to it. I'm not sure where it actually started. But uh, a lot of fun. And the movie was really good. It was enjoyable. It, it was all encapsulated. You can watch it by itself without being completely invested into a new series. The series is going to premiere on, uh, I think, early 2018. It's going to be exclusive on the Disney Now app, which is a new app that they've put out. Or it's going to be uh, available on Disney XD Video On Demand. And uh, early 2018, you're going to get episodes of the show. And, uh, yeah, it, it looks good. If you're a big fan of Baymax and the Big Hero 6 stuff, it, it looks it looks like if it's anything like this movie, it, it's a hell of a lot of fun. 
and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think uh, I think it's worth at least pulling out your Di Disney XD, getting the app on your phone, and watching it. It's an hour and a half of your life, and it's, it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Other news we got. Uh, actually, it's not even news. It's just a realization that I put down. I didn't realize that the director for the Venom movie that's coming out is Ruben Fleischer, who directed Zombieland. And um, I guess I won't even – I'll put it down. I guess it's not even news. It's just something that I was like, ooh. I Sometimes I, I just don't put two in together. I won't pretend that I know everything about – about everything, but I just I thought that was sort of cool. So um, makes me even more excited for the Venom movie. You know, it uh, it just yeah, it's one of those things that just makes me more excited for the Venom movie because I I really enjoyed Zombieland, and if uh, the humor of Zombieland is in the movie, it, it could be a lot of fun. And I thought I thought he did blood and in action well, and interplay between characters. So yeah. It's just a, just a random thing. I guess if I'm talking about random things, just recently, you might have seen if you follow my Twitter, put up a, a tweet, basically, is that like a tweet, a tweet, a tweet, a tweet, I don't know. But uh, while I'm, I, so I've been recently seeing uh, a lot of bigger gentlemen, and by big, I don't mean my size, I mean big, like not fat, big bone, but big gentlemen wearing Mandalore Army shirts. Or maybe I've seen the same guy over and over wearing a Mandalore Army shirt, but uh Big enough that cannot propel themselves in an ECV. And I guess it's just a military guy. I mean, I see a shirt that says Mandalore Army. I personally don't wear shirts like that that advertise or, like, I'm part of uh, something elite. Just because I know I'm just a normal guy. I'm a fuzzball. I'll rip your arms off if I disagree with you in an argument. But I, I don't pretend to be the most badass of individuals. And I was just like, wow. Uh, makes me wonder about the recruiting for that Mandalore Army. And in fairness... I'm not a huge Mando merc. I have a couple friends that are. In fact, one of my lady friends, female friends, is huge into Mandalorian. She's all about it. She's got tattoos, and good for her. Like, Gulina, Vonkin, amazing. I say yes. She's okay. But I just, I guess I don't get it because I, I don't think Boba Fett or Jango Fett are the coolest characters. And I, I've seen some of the Mandalore stuff in Clone Wars and Rebels, and, uh, Sure, I think it's cool. I think their armor looks cool. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing stuff, but I just, it's not something I ascribe to. So it's, I don't get it. And I guess I should really get it because one of my kids, my oldest son, is crazy into Boba Fett, loves everything there. But I think he lives in a world where it's even cooler to like Boba Fett because of everything that's come out from people that have grabbed onto him. But uh, I don't know if it's the new Target shirt, this Mandalore Army shirt that I've seen going around, but. Uh, I, I don't even know what my point is. I guess if you're if you're a Mando Merc, just realize that people are looking at you because if you associate yourself with military of any sort, uh, they're they're gonna associate you with that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I guess there's good Mandalorians and bad Mandalorians, and uh, I I am neither. I'm neither. Although my my boy Obi Wan definitely was into the Duchess Satine of Mandalore, and that's okay. He 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 had some feelings for him. He really did. I don't know that they ever had babies. I don't think I don't buy into that. I think uh, yeah, I think you just got to get over uh, the fact that there's no offspring there. That's okay. But he, he probably came from a family, so maybe maybe there's a, another Kenobi out there. Maybe he had a brother who had a daughter who had uh, had some force powers. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm just digressing all based on uh, this tweet. But what I wanted to say, I guess, about the tweet is sorry if it came off as nerd shaming. Uh, it was a moment. And uh, I just decided to share it, and uh, I probably shouldn't have. Probably should have kept it in my head. And I guess it's a good point. Sometimes if you have some ideas in your head, where which make you sound sort of like a butthead, probably keep them in your head. 
Yeah, probably should. Yeah. Like, uh, like, yeah. I actually did think recently where uh, somebody implied that I'm an idiot because I like Last Jedi. And uh, I'm not going to name drop them on the podcast. I'll just say uh, F you for that thought. But we're so cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Uh, other geek news, we got Christian Bale. He revealed on a podcast that he was on that he was actually courted for the mentor role in the solo film. Uh, he also was clear that he'd love to be in a movie someday, in a Star Wars movie, since his daughters are big fans. I just actually, I didn't put this in the Star Wars news, I put it here in Flavor of the Geek, because I laughed the most when he said that he hadn't watched any of the Batflip performances. Uh, he apparently is not a huge superhero fan, that was probably a paycheck for him, and that's fine. You know, he, he wasn't the best Batman anyways. I don't know, I, I guess that's a conversation for a different time. He, he Bad boys! Bad boys. Not a big fan of bad boys. In fact, I just listened to uh, an audio commentary on Batman on Batman. Mark Bernardin and Kevin Smith did an entire thing for Batman Begins. And I, I'll listen to a good audio commentary without watching the movie. In fact, my buddy Sean and me recorded one for Thor, which I think you could just listen to. It's a Sean Mentary. S-H-A-U-N-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y. For the first Thor movie. Where we just talk about it, and I, I like listening to that sort of thing. I, if I know the movie well enough, I don't have to have it synchronized. That's fine. I just listened in my car, and I loved those two guys. They tore apart that movie pretty good. They did. They did in a funny way. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, what else? We got Matt Reeves. If you did not know, he got a deal with uh, Netflix, and that actually means his production company is moving from the Fox lot to Netflix's lot. I guess they have a lot. Um, interesting, just wondering, maybe, you know, since Matt Reeves is connected to DC, it said that he wants to do a Batman movie, or might be working on a Batman movie, and then, of course, Disney bought Fox, so, Warner Brothers and Disney, enemies! I don't know if they're enemies, they're just definitely competitors, so maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe since Disney is connected to Hulu, WB has interest in being connected to Netflix. We'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out, you know, a lot of... A lot of companies will flex to make money, and uh, yeah, that's what they're in the business to do. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that comes up with some really cool content on Netflix. Based, on, you know, I I love. I, you, if you listen to uh, the top ten, you know Matt Reeves' movie was on my top ten. You know, pretty high up there. War for the Planet of the Apes. What else we got? Walter Hamada. You probably don't know that name because I'll be honest, I didn't know that name either when I first heard it. He's a from New Line Cinema, he was the producer of It, among other movies. Has been named to be the president of the DC-based film production. Uh, that means that John Berg and Jeff Johns, he's going to be joining them. John Berg apparently is no longer in charge. He's in a new position somewhere, producing something or other. And of course, Jeff Johns is over like DC all stuff, like comics and promotion and everything there. So yeah, you've got... Walter Hamada joined in, made some money last year, so and and did a good job doing it. It is an amazing movie, also high on my 2017 list. So uh, they they put him there, and I guess they're gonna hope he's gonna write the ship. He's gonna ship the right. I don't know. He's gonna he's gonna do something good and uh, get DC back on track. Oh, the only movie they have coming out, like I said, is Aquaman this year. So we'll see what 2019 looks like. That's probably the first time where he's really gonna impact anything. You've got Shazam movies probably in 2019. I don't know of anything else, so we shall see what stuff comes out. But good luck, Walter Hamada. Good luck. And if you could do something good like it, well, then we'll like it. We will. Also, I just wanted to plug, you know, I did an entire episode where I dedicated it to Ralph Garman. 
In fact, I was just so happy when I, I, I tweeted that it was dedicated to him and he liked it. And I was like, oh, I don't want him to feel like I'm riding his coattails. I'm a huge Ralph Carmen fan. Have been because of Kevin and Bean on K-Rock, which I don't listen to anymore here. But uh, justice for Ralph. He's going to have a new show called The Ralph Report. It officially starts January 22nd. It'll be a Monday to Friday show. The kind of show you can just put on and listen to while you're driving to work. You can be a day behind or whatnot. I don't know how it's going to come out. If it's actually going to come out when like you wake up in the morning, it's right there. Maybe he's going to record it the day before. I'm excited. And you can find it already on your podcast, friends. Look up the Ralph Report. He already has a Justice League review, and it is amazing. He tears the shit out of that movie hilariously. It's 17 minutes long, and I'll admit I've listened to it twice because it's that good. And that's how you can find the Ralph Report. He also is going to be reviewing The Bachelor, although I don't give any props about that show, so I didn't listen to that. But on January 22nd, Monday to Friday, the Ralph Report is saying, laughing at Fuzzball is a proud member of the Garmy, and I support it. So there you go. Also, uh, just a little announcement from HBO. Game of Thrones Season 8, they have officially said it's coming out in 2019. We all sort of knew that anyway, so it's not an official announcement. There's no month yet. I'm, I'm just ready for this to be out and then be over. You know, I'm, the anticipation is killing me. I know they're they're filming it, and uh, they, they want to make sure that they do the right thing. It'll be six episodes long. Who knows how long those episodes will be. Hopefully long, though. I would like to, to get hour and a half, two hour long episodes. You know, so it's almost as if you're getting a full season, and uh, then it'll be done. And then you'll get the prequel shows that they've talked about or whatever else because – Game of Thrones makes lots of money for HBO, and, and, and they like money. People like money, so they tend to do things that people like that make them money. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, I just to mention it for any of you out there that are huge X-Files fans, I was a, a big fan of that show when I was younger. I actually didn't watch when it came back on Netflix or Hulu or whatever it did. But it's back for apparently two seasons on January 3rd, the first episode aired on Fox. And if you're a big X-Files fan, Muller and Scully... Mulder and Scully are back. They're back, friends. And the truth is out there. And uh, watch it. Watch it. Support that sort of thing if that is your thing. That way more can happen. More can happen for it. So more X-Files on Fox. And woohoo for you if that's your thing. Yeah, I'll probably check out an episode here or there, but it's not something I'm going to review. I'll just be dead honest. I already have enough, and it's not one that I'm going to add. So if I see episodes, it'll just be because I see it, and I want to enjoy it. So there you go. Also, just one last little news. We got Ridley Scott saying that he has a story idea for a third Blade Runner movie. He said that on a podcast. And uh, if you're a big fan of Blade Runner, I really, really enjoyed the first movie. I've come to enjoy the second movie more. Think about it, I still think it was a little too long. But it's a, a definitely a movie I want to revisit and watch again. My buddy Kareem, is, he loves that movie. That's probably his favorite movie of last year. And really didn't understand when I was like, eh, it was okay. It was fine. Uh, he was he was a little disappointed by that, but uh, we're still friends because you can have disagreements with your friends. That's just the way it is. Like I disagree with my buddy Sean on every level about the last Jedi. We're still friends, even if he calls me an idiot. It's okay. It's okay. We're still buddies. We're still buddies. Plus we're roommates, so we sort of have to like each other, right? Otherwise, then then all bad, and then I'm the first person kicked out because I'm the last person they moved in. So uh, yeah, but. Oh, yeah, Blade Runner, if there's if there's a third story idea, sure, and Ridley Scott did the first movie, so if he wants to do another movie, then by all means, he should. He really should. But, uh, 
yeah, I guess that wraps up all of the geeky news and just some general rambling from yours truly. Let's see where we're headed next. And true to form, friends, we are at the small screen Star Wars superhero, no Simpsons, sci-fi synopsis, all the S's. I think I actually said that out of order. I just tried to say it off the top of my head. All the S's. That synopsis with the capital S's. And and there, there hasn't been any new TV, so to speak. Well, there's been one new episode that I'll talk about. But I've been using this time to catch up, and I, I realized that, you know, that between last week and this week, I had those weeks to catch up on television before all of the shows started again. So I, I've been doing my due diligence to catch up. And I got to tell you, friends, I finally caught up on Gotham. I did. I did. I think just by talking to Danny and him, being excited because I don't always talk nicely about this show, and it's one of the few shows that I don't always talk nicely about. So he enjoys when I review it. I I, just, I do it just for anybody who who likes the show, and so I can have an opinion. And yeah, I'm caught up on Gotham. There are five episodes, five episodes of the show that I watched. But season four, episode seven, all this uh, the first eleven episodes is a whole thing. A Dark Knight. Although I don't know why I was called that other than the show is dark and it often has stuff that happens at night. But there's stuff that happens during the day too. This episode is really called A Day in the Narrows. And well, 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 the fuzzball is admitting that he watched an episode of Gotham completely uninvested and actually enjoyed himself. Sure, I watch these episodes as I'm falling asleep. I may have nodded off once while watching this, woke up, and actually wanted to go back and, uh, and see what I had fallen asleep during. And uh, and and it, it was entertaining. In a, I'm not invested in just watching to do my due diligence for the podcast sort of way. Professor Pig was a delight as a villain, hell bent on cutting the evil of the GCPD under the Pax Penguina, and also forming Jim Gordon into a hero he feels the city needs. There's some weird stuff for Selena, Barbara, and Tabitha that was sort of pointless. And truly, I felt the professor might be right to end the cops of Gotham after the stuff that goes down in the Narrows in this episode. I, I was a little miffed. Harvey is a character that I've liked, but he's an asshole bad guy in this episode. Also, Bruce takes more steps towards being an irresponsible playboy. Um, and and, and I, it's not him trying to just like create this persona to someday be Batman. He's just being a douche. He really is. Uh, overall, I give episode 7 a B. Um, in a you mildly entertained me sort of way, which is a win as far as Gotham is concerned. Episode 8 is Stop Hitting Yourself. Long and short is this is Nigma and Grundy uh, falling under the intention of Penguin by mocking him. Um, and then Oswald, Cobblepot sends Babs, Barbara, Tabs, Tabitha, and Selena. So Babs, Tabs, and Selena. I just wrote that down because I like the way it sounds. But uh, the problem is that all the interpersonal stuff between everyone from previous seasons has to be known to even make sense and then this is also it feels like the writers are like oh shit we haven't done anything with Nigma and Grundy because we've been concentrating on Professor Pig and then Firefly, Firefly shows up again like oh yeah she's in the show too to play a role albeit a brief role to be taken down pretty easily Gordon has to figure out if he wants a new role as captain of the GCPD and then there's a fun side plot for Penguin where he helps an orphan kid not get bullied uh, it's a filler episode, but, you know, I guess it gets a B-. Sure. Episode 9, Let Them Eat Pie. Uh, Professor Pig, spelt with a Y. He wants to make sure people know that. Takes his show in a gross Jonathan Swift and Chicago the Musical Way to the Elite of Gotham. 
Yeah, it involves Jim Gordon, Lady Falcone, uh, or is it Falcone? Yeah, I think it's Falcone, not Marconi. It's Falcone. Yeah, Carmine Falcone. Yeah, Lady Falcone, Penguin, and the mute kid Oswald is fond of. I, I enjoy this because you get Pig as a charitable rabbi with homeless people, and then a French chef, and then also in a battle with Gordon with meat cleavers. True to form, this, the show is always bloody and dark and violent. There, there's some stuff that goes on where you're just like, wow, they're, they're taking this dark. Bruce, meanwhile, skips out on some bonding with Alfred. Alfred's doing his best to try and be a father figure, a role model for this kid. But uh, all you get to do is learn more about the butler, which is really cool, and then realize that right now you really don't like Bruce Wayne. Oh, shit, man, you killed Bradshaw Ghoul. Man, now you've got feelings. Somebody died because of you. Man, now I just want to drink and not listen to adults. Stupid. Stupid. This show's called Gotham, though. It's not all about Bruce. So I guess I, I should have mentioned it that I finally am seeing that this version of Bruce Wayne could turn into Christian Bell, at least in the looks department. I think, wow, he's, a, he's actually starting to look like Christian Bell's Bruce Wayne. Um, I, I what, what, what to say? Like, what else did they do? Oh, I'm happy Pig at this point was still around to be delightful in future seasons. And then, oh, I can't believe I just said future seasons, because it implies I'm still going to be watching it. At some point, you got to break up with this girl that just hurt you. But uh, so far, I'll just keep going for it, because every once in a while, there's a good thing. Uh, the gig is up for Sophia in this episode, uh, because of the mute kid, and Oswald's fine and not trust her, and yeah, <laughs> another B-minus, C-plus episode. Episode 10, things that go boom, uh, we start with Amazing Pig in Arkham Asylum, showing a mystery as to his identity, and then you get uh, Blah, Lee's in charge of the Narrows, and has issues with a gangster named Samson, because it's not at all slightly racist for his entire organization to be all African American, who we really haven't seen other than maybe getting to see a, <laughs> a little bit of Fox in there and not, not the, the network that shows it, but Lucius Fox being connected to to this Gotham show. Uh, Penguin's still threatening Sophia Marcone for plotting against him, uh, but at least she finally gets to be a mob boss, and then there's a wrinkle so Barbara and the girls can be involved. Of all the lines this season, um, listening to someone because Zaz is holding a rocket launcher might be the winner of the season, although I, I'm, I'm still partial in the season so far to everything with Pig. And then his Chicago moment in the last episode was a lot of fun, if not comic book silly. Uh, there's also a reveal Pig might be a country bumpkin. I'm wondering where that's going. You get dickhead playboy Bruce Wayne, suspiciously absent from the episode. And it's like, Yay! Wait, why is he not on the episode? Should he be in the episode? Should this move the plot forward? I don't care because I don't like him right now. Uh, Gordon deals with Oswald and Lee fixes her turf war with poison. Um, I knew I was going to start shaking my head at some point. This is the episode where I really did. Like I said, Lucius Fox. He actually has been in the season um, and several of the past episodes. I, I like when he shows up. I actually like the character. But true to form, the show doesn't use him right at all. Other than to explain crime things so the story can move along. And then pull him apart. He's working for the GCPD. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he is working for the GCPD. He's not connected to Wayne Enterprises. Uh, okay. And, you know, then the show does, every once in a while, this switcheroo stuff kills a kid to surprise the hell out of me. And then you get mob wartime in Gotham. Um, and then, of course, the show is going to punk out and not kill the kid. Um, 
Well, then it's going to reveal that Nygma might not be dumb, and he might be Riddler again, and then, uh, you know, they finally let you know that Professor Pig's name is Laszlo Valentine, and then he's back on the loose. And then you go to episode 11, Queen Takes Night. This is the mid-season finale. This is the mob war. This is this is what you've been waiting for, what you've been excited for. It's all going to make sense, and it's all going to be good, And but it's not. It's not. It's, it's uh, barely going to use Professor Pig. And that's going to make you think that he got a new face and he's off to terrorize. And then they're going to just ruin everything that he does because they're just going to connect it to what's been going on with Penguin and Pax Penguina and Sophia Marcone helping Jim take over. And then, you, then you're going to get Daddy Falcone showing up and you're going to be excited and he's going to be against his baby girl and it's all going to be Penguin in his best scheme yet. And then, and then they're going to kill Falcone. Because that's what they do. Because he's a great character, but he, he's a really good actor. And he probably realizes, I don't want to be in this Gotham show anymore. And then, just to make you even matter, they're going to bring Wild Boy Bruce back. And, uh, and and facing off against Alfred, who's doing his best. And you just want Alfred to give up on the bum already. And 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 But no, no. Because Bruce is just going to be an asshole. And he's going to be awful. And really, and when he ends this show, I'm like, I just hope all these you know geriatric villains... like kill him in this Batman universe when he finally decides to be Batman, which apparently is going to be the second part of the season. You know, they, the show did find ways to surprise me. Um, I like Harvey showing up at the funeral to tell Gordon to finish where he started. And then you're going to get GCD, GCPD versus Penguin. Um, but then the episode's like half over and it seems like Gordon's won and you're like, what's going on? And you're happy that Alfred finally kicks the spoiled kid's ass, but then, you know, why does he feel bad about it? And Nygma is losing his shit delightfully. And I like that Tabitha has not given up on Butch, a.k.a. Solomon Grundy. It, it all ends with a big reveal for Falcone and Pig. And and I guess it's pretty effed up. It's it's okay storytelling, but I, I didn't like it because I enjoyed the character of Pig. And uh, he's gone. He's gone. No more of him. So, you know, there, there's plenty of places that would have been a great place to end. But instead... They ended it with me hating Bruce Wayne, which the show is pseudo about Batman's origins. But my takeaway, I feel bad for Grundy, and then I feel I feel bad for what's going on with Harvey Bullock, and, uh, and then then they're gonna throw in a teaser to be like Jerome. Remember the guy that everybody thinks is gonna be the Joker? Well, he's in Arkham Asylum with Penguin, but Penguin's been in Arkham Asylum before and he's gone now. But now there's Jerome, and I like that character, and I'm sure there's gonna be episodes. Where I'm gonna like that character in him, but overall, I'm just like, I watch these episodes for you, friends, and for the podcast. And you're welcome. Gotham returns spring 2018. Uh, apparently, the first part of the season was supposed to be inspired by the Long Halloween. I don't know how people say that, but I guess it was. Uh, the writers read a comic and then wrote something completely different. And the latter part's supposed to be inspired by Batman Year One. And expect the same thing out. We'll see how it all rolls out. And yeah, I'm going to watch. Because now I feel like I'm invested. Kind of like why I, I keep watching Walking Dead. Although Walking Dead, I sort of want to quit on that show too. Sort of do. Especially after that last episode. Ripped my heart out. And really sort of pissed me off. But let's move away from Gotham. A show that I'm not terribly fond of. To a show I really, really am enjoying. I actually watched four more episodes of The Runaways. Episode 5, 6, 7, and 8. And uh, I'm watching this show with my roommates. It's actually funny because, you know, we'll watch an episode and then someone will need to go to sleep for work. We're like, okay, or maybe we'll watch two episodes. I think the most we've actually watched in a row was three or four. 
but we watch these over a course of a couple days. Episode five is entitled Kingdom, and I, I dig how the show uses flashbacks. Um, we got Alex, he's my MVP of the episode for having a training on Dagobah voicemail. Um, I didn't mention it yet, but Smallville's Brainiac being Chase's dad makes me happy. Uh, even if he's a crazy dick, <laughs> you get Chase, finally gets his fist to on power gloves, uh, more pod people cult stuff, more old lace, and Staff of One stuff too. The episode is all about complicated relationships for both the kids and their parents. There's some positive, some negative. And then, of course, episode five ends with the weird reveal of a mystery man at the end, who at this point was just weird skin guy. And um, don't forget that there's time travel even mentioned in the episode. Episode six is called Metamorphosis. You get more past up for the mystery man from the last episode. And then uh, some bonding for witch mom and daughter that <laughs> I, I should write names. These are all just little notes I do while I'm actually watching. I'm just typing little notes on my uh, phone. No reels for glowing beautiful girl, a.k.a. Carolina. A red carpet fundraiser that includes a delightful Stan Lee cameo. Yay for Stanley getting a cameo even in a Marvel show. Uh, Jonas as the delightful mystery bag guy. I actually enjoy him. He's an actor from the Fantastic Four movies. You might remember him as Doctor Doom. I should know the actor's name, but I don't. He was also in Nip Tuck. Uh, ladies get catty in this episode. You gotta love teenage love and angst in the middle of a mission to take down your supervillain parents. And the drama ratchets up for the parentals, which is understandable when some are sleeping in the wrong houses. Really good. And there's an ending that demanded watching the next episode, which was episode 7, Refraction. Flashbacks are how each of these episodes start, and I really, really enjoy how they do it. It, it does more reveal, gets you more invested. This time, you're, they're trying to humanize and also demonize Chase's genius dad. There's strange things for Carolina's dad, too. School stuff for the kids included Molly revealing she messed up by tipping off Alex's parents. Teenage interpersonal dynamics, then Molly, and, uh, and, her, and uh, there's some tripping on Jonas, which <laughs> you have to watch the episode for that to make sense. A really funny line regarding Alex's dad, who was played by Ryan Sands, who I met at Batman on Batman at the Scum and Villain in Cantina. And I just, and this is how I feel about Ryan Sands, the G-Man. I love that big ball teddy bear. And uh, yes, I, I agree with uh, the character that said that, I believe it's Chase's dad says that. that. That's a great way to refer to Ryan Sands. Uh, you get an open house night at the kids' school. Really so much going on in the show. It's good stuff. And I'm, I'm just hoping at the end that Nico's dad doesn't have his dick magic off by his mom or by his wife. And then uh, there's an unexpected ending in episode seven as well. They're doing, they're doing that classic television thing where there's an unexpected ending, which makes you want to watch the next episode. And because they're releasing this, where actually you can't just binge the whole thing. I'll get to that later after I talk about episode eight. But uh, it, it gives you a week to be excited for the new thing. And I sort of I sort of like that model for Hulu. I think binging is good, but also, you know, sometimes not manageable. It's not manageable to just watch all of Punisher. If it just came out, you know, one a week or two a week, you know, you'd be able to watch it talk about it, have something to gather around the water cooler if people even do that, and then move on. But episode 8, called Tsunami, and and at first that title made no sense, but it's actually a code which means something to the parents and their pride. Not their pride, but the name of the organization, The Pride. But you get the aftermath of the big drama ending from episode 7, and it, it revolves around that. Like, me and my roommate said, this show is getting juicy, and it's ramped up and escalating the story. Every episode just 
gets more and more juicy and more and more good. You get reveals for what happened to Amy, big drama for the Pride, stuff for Molly too. Well, in that department, just more secrets in the form of, of a message from her deceased parents. You get some lovely teenage romantic quadrangles, Jonas being a dick, and things don't look good for all the parents. Can I just say that Old Lace is in this episode a lot, the dinosaur that's connected to Gert, and, and it, it's great. It is really good. Um, I, I like that she just took him along in the car just because it adds that level of comic bookiness to it. But all the kids become involved with the debacle at Chase's house in some way, shape, or form or when they all meet there. And they, they're not getting along either. It reveals of everyone in the Pride getting benefits from Jonas's gifts. I'm sure that probably was mentioned in the message that just finally hit home for me. So much crazy back and forth. And then the Runaways fight. Although I don't know why we're calling them the Runaways at this point since... They haven't really run anywhere except they've run wild with their emotions and run wild with conflict over their evil parents. At some point, I'm sure they'll run away and that's run away from their parents and that's why we'll call them the Runaways. I, I was actually really hoping to finish Runaways the night I was watching episode 8, but discovered that the 10th episode doesn't even drop until tomorrow. I'm recording this on Monday. Tomorrow's Tuesday. So I actually, courtesy my roommate, need to go to sleep for work. And then also, I was like, you know, 9 and 10 probably are going to have, like, a big ending since episode 8 didn't have one of those huge cliffhangers where you just watch those two together. So I'm going to watch episodes 9 and 10 together and then wrap up Runaways. But i got to say, it's a good show. It's it's worth watching. It's it's enjoyable. The acting is good. I like the way they do the effects when they do the effects. And, uh, yeah, lots of – this is as much about the evil parents as it is the kids. And uh, it's it's a good show to check out. Yeah, and then, you know, the only other thing to watch, I actually was catching up. I'm like, okay, now all I have left is the Inhumans, some Agents of Shields episodes, finish the Runaways. And then I realized a new episode of The Gifted dropped, episode 11, entitled 3 by one And I, I like the show. It made it to the number 10 spot tied with Legion on my top 10 for 2017 because I didn't want to decide. I just put those two Marvel shows together. But, uh... After all the craziness with the Stepford Cuckoos that finished the last episode, I gotta say this episode was a bit tamer. Somehow the underground becomes separated, the mutant underground I should say, becomes separated from the trio of telepaths, which is a way for the show to just reveal some stuff regarding the Hellfire Club, and then let all the other characters deal with events from the season so far. The opening pours on the melodrama with side-by-side funeral scenes, which hits heavier on the mutant side than the Sentinel side, which I think says something, at least about how I feel. Uh, why Agent Reed shows a funeral, the grand status position on his anti-mutant feelings. Uh, I don't know. It's, I, I, that that agent, oh, man. I like. Sometimes I really like that character, and other times I don't. And he's just so back and forth. And now I'm, now I'm sort of getting sick of it. Just just pick a side. Uh, the opening, like I said, lots of... Lots of melodrama. Um, the Struckers decide to leave and head for Mexico because that's a thing. We know that's not going to go so great. And it doesn't in the episode. It allows for some, some cool action and actually just because they needed it so they could reveal some stuff. Well, I'm not thrilled at the Hound program because I'm on Team Mutant and I also because I just think it's sort of silly. It's a necessary evil. Bring some cool action, some, some oh shit moments. Dr. Campbell getting a combo glove that combines mutant powers as, as a culmination of all his efforts. It's, it's a little silly, but hey kids, it's comic book television, so sometimes it's going to be silly. Uh, the link between the Strucker kids is used to an interesting effect. 
the the wins truly of this episode that I, I sort of felt a little mad about uh, is the mystery transmutation mutant who seems to be like a boss of the Hellfire Club. That's uh, pretty cool. It sort of looks like an African American version of Professor X. Uh, and then there's intimations about Lorna, aka Polaris's magnetic parentage, which is really cool. I also dug. Um, that the cuckoos were villainously awesome throughout the episode whenever they were creepily on screen with their high heels. I dig the nod to Emma Frost with their last names. Um, I'm looking forward to more twists with them, the cuckoos, even if it really makes no sense for them to have separated from the underground in the first place after the last episode. Uh, they, were, they were used more for exposition and just to sort of maneuver characters to a certain way. I like that different characters in the mutant underground have different opinions about the cuckoos' tactics. I see splits from members of the underground in the future. This episode really was was doing some stuff with with characters because they need them all to be in a certain place before this season wraps up and the next season apparently starts. Um, one of the coolest moments of the entire show was a flashback scene for Blink revealing asphalt anti-mutant purifiers. But the truth is the scene had no point. Even if I really liked it, uh, they had no point other than when later they say this politician is pu is a purifier. You're like, oh, okay, I know what that is. Could Striker show up at some point if you know what the purifiers are? No clue. There's a lot of little hints, but nothing actually coming out. Although, you know, uh, they Eclipse actually mentions the X-Men again in the show, which was good. Uh, I felt really sad for Johnny Thunderbird in this episode, but... I, he wasn't in it that much. I would have liked to see more of him rather than the return of the illusion kid. I think his name is Wes. Uh, he comes back because that's where the Struckers go to. All in all, I like the episode. I look forward to how this is all going to wrap up. It wasn't the best episode, and maybe they are stumbling as they head towards the finish line. We'll, we'll, I'll just say judgment because the show is going to wrap up with a two-hour finale, which will be the last two episodes. January 15th, they're going to show both of them. And uh, the show has been picked up for another season, which makes me happy since I really did enjoy it. Um, it did make it onto my top ten. I'm not <laughs> sort of funny with this episode. If this episode had happened before I made my list, it would just be Legion because I can't find an episode of Legion where I'm just like, that episode sucked. So, uh, yeah, it probably is my, my number 11 pick, so to speak. It might even be lower. We'll see how it all wraps up with uh, the last two episodes. But, uh yeah, so there you go. That's my feelings on The Gifted and also another not-so-subtle plug for the top 10, which was the last episode, episode level 73. But that is all of the television. My goal this week is actually to finish the last two episodes of Inhumans, catch up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and uh, I think that will bring me totally up-to-date before all of the new television starts because, you know, next week is Supergirl – Flash, Black Lightning, Arrow, and uh, also a new episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I also want to watch Happy on Sci-Fi, but, uh, you know, you don't, you don't always get what you want. Sometimes you get what you need, friends. And what we need at this point is just to talk a little bit of comics in the stacks. I did read some comics last week. I actually want to read a whole bunch of comics this week, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to balance that because I want to be able to talk about all this stuff, but I actually have a plan for what the next episode is, which I'll announce at the end of this one. But I'm just digressing. What I did was I read The Flash, I read some Batman, and I read some Darth Vader. So first up, Flash Rebirth, issues 32 to 33. 
written by Joshua Williamson and Michael Morecci with art by Pop Man and color by Ivan Placentia for both of them. This brings a bigger reveal of Mina's return to a new beginning that's interesting. Um, it deals with berries tapping in the negative speed force, turns black hole, um, or sorry, excuse me, it returns black hole as something that Barry has to deal with. Barry's partner and gig working at Iron Heights is talked about as well, which is going to lead into future stories. Overall, it was good, but it was also a little weird since it ties into a story that happened way back with Godspeed, which really feels like a long time ago. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Barry and Wally shine, but since this is the first two parts of a story called Black Hole Rising, this is more about exposition, the setup, conflict later. Overall, it's fun. Uh, maybe a step back since Williamson is not sharing writing duties instead of flying solo like previous issues, but I enjoyed it and I like I like the flash and sometimes sometimes comic book stories are you just read that they can't all be you know the Dark Knight Rises they can't all all be those those tip top ones but you know I say that and then I want to talk about Batman Rebirth issues 33 to 36 and also annual number two but I get, Tom King has been killing. Batman in in the Batman Rebirth stuff. I I really really have enjoyed like the whole run of it, how the whole story's going. I, I can't think back to like one issue where I was like that was sort of garbage. I I really really enjoy it. You probably maybe caught like a little bit of my opinion about the last two issues of Flash. In fact, I think I actually missed an issue on my pull list, and I'm not not even dying to like go grab that Flash issue. We'll just. We'll see. I put it down. I think it's a uh, Flash 33 or something that that I need, or maybe oh, I don't even know. No, no, I'm in my head, and I shouldn't do that. So Flash 32 to 33. So it's probably issue 31 that I need. Anyways, we're talking about Batman 33 to 36, number two. Um, I guess I should point out that issue 36 takes the cover back to just DC Universe, like I had mentioned with uh, the Superman comic a couple episodes back. They've dropped, there's still Rebirth, they just, it doesn't say Rebirth over the top. They did that, you know, they did that for a good two years or a year, whatever it was. Now that gets back to DC Universe, um, it is a sleeker way to do covers, allows more space for art. Issues 33 to 35, it's a three-part story called Rules of Engagement, written by Tom King, with pencils inked by Joel Jones, and colored by Jordi Belair. Shades of Western stories to start this with Batman and Catwoman off to face Talia al Ghul and condemn Uzbekistan. The Bat Family and Alfred get some panels too, but the true brother stuff is between Damian Wayne and Dick Grayson. King does a real good job tying this up with the Bat and Cat engagement, and then the story from I Am Bane, which is also tying into a ton of family stuff. This, this is really enjoyable storytelling. The real beauty really lies in Catwoman being badass in these issues, especially in sparring dialogue she has with Talia. It's not a world in jeopardy story, but there are certainly stakes in a way, and Batman stuck between his current flame and an ex is great. Really think the best stuff is just how the characters talk to each other, how it all entertains so well. The art is different, but since it's consistent for the three issues, I liked it. Jones certainly enjoys drawing her tough as nails ladies. The annual, annual number two, Still King, art by Lee Weeks, Michael Lark, color by Elizabeth, Brett Weiser, and June Chung. Basically, it's uh, date nights and last rites. So the first part is the, the first two names, Lee Weeks and Elizabeth Brett Weiser, and the last part is Michael Lark and June Chung. And this is more bat and cat stories, namely the two early in their sparring with each other and then later on in their life. I really don't want to spoil any of this amazing book. But we'll say you might want to pack some tissues when reading it since your room might get kind of dusty while you turn the pages. It's really beautiful. 
gets a true wowzer from me. Um, it, it's good. Annual number two, you can just pick it up, and, and you don't even need to know any of the other story and just be moved by how good the story is. But my favorite of all these reads, as much as I like Daniel with issue 36, pencils by Clay Mann, inks by Clay Mann and Seth Mann, and then color by Jordi Belair, Batman and Superman, sharing opposing pages and panel series, they examine their opinions of each other and their relationship while also talking to their significant others. So dang amazing. I was truly riveted. It's part one of a story called Super Friends, which promises to lead into an ultimate double date. The writing is so on point here and just really cool. Sometimes reading how someone else views a super is just really good. And, you know, Batman and Superman sharing their opinions of each other. Tom King just nails this issue. It's exactly what you want from an issue of Batman and Superman. And I loved it. It was exactly the kind of issue you smile while reading then are perfectly content letting that round of comic reading be done and let the goodness set in. As a comic, you're just, oh, this is good. Why read something else? I'm, I'm good to just move on to my life. And, of course, on the podcast, I'm going to talk about another comic. But I will say, after I read issue 36, I didn't read anymore. I actually read these comics before I just uh, put it because it segues really nice into the next uh the next segment of the podcast. Uh, so what it is is Darth Vader, issues five to nine, written by Charles Soule, pencils by Giuseppe Camoncoli. Both of them do all of them. Issues five to six have ink by Cam Smith, and issues seven to nine have ink by Daniel Orlandini, and then David Curiel is colorist for all issues. So five to six wrap up. Vader searching for his own lightsaber to complete his transition to be a Sith. This is the Chosen One storyline. Issue 5 is great, with flashbacks and visions on Mustafar, and while it is singular, I really enjoy the issue because we see some of the conflict with Invader. Fans of Rebels will certainly love Issue 6 because it brings in the Grand Inquisitor, and see Invader fight him was something I never knew I wanted. Also badass that it's all set in the former Jedi Temple in Coruscant. Issue 7 and 9 play off the reveal of Jedi Archivist Jocasta New being still around, and Vader in charge of training the Emperor's Inquisitors, and, and be happy you never had to train with Vader is all I'll say about that. Vader's propensity for killing Imperials is addressed a little in a funny way, and the whole thing really is uh, the Grand Inquisitor and Vader dealing with Jocasta News' mission to set up a new Jedi archive to keep the knowledge of the Jedi going, but of course she has to go back to Coruscant to try and get some of it. I really like seeing Jocasta New use the Force and having a lightsaber, rather than just being the old lady who shows up for some Obi-Wan knowledge in the prequels, or being the, the face that they use for any of your questions on StarWars.com. Librarians can be cool too, friends, and this is an issue that proves it. Also just good to get more info about the Inquisitors from Rebels, why they were created, plus where they came from. There's lightsaber fights, use of both the light and dark sides of the Force, and I look forward to Vader versus New in the next issue. You get Jocasta New versus the Grand Inquisitor in the issues I read. Artwork is really good. Um, there's some meditation and back-to-tank panels for Vader that really wowed me. I also just love this image of Vader meditating with his, his lightsaber turned on, floating right in front of him. I just, I don't know, I just really like that. It's like, I'm meditating, but I'm prepared to cut your head off while I do it, which is very Vader to me. I really dig this comic. The team is doing a great job. And certainly, certainly, check it out. But like I said, 
that really transitions nicely into the next segment, the last segment we're going to have for today's podcast, Let the Wookiee Win, which is where I talk all about Star Wars. And there's, there's lots more Star Wars news than just Christian Bale and the, and the Han Solo stuff. As far as Han Solo, if you didn't hear, John Williams is going to write the theme for Han Solo. Uh, and then John Powell from How to Train Your Dragon is actually going to do the score. I know some people are a little upset about John Williams coming in and doing a theme for it. I'm not because he's the greatest musical storyteller of our generation. And he's written themes for Yoda and Leia and Luke. So why not? Why not get Han Solo a theme? Like, heck, let him write a Chewbacca theme too. I'm okay with that. John Powell is going to do the score. And anybody who does the score from Star Wars is playing in John Williams' playground anyways. So that's okay. I think I think John Powell will probably be okay with, with getting to use a theme written by John Williams in his in How to Train Your Dragon. And it has a really, really good score. So that should also excite you. You know, solo, no matter what you think, it's going to have good background music. It, it's really going to have good background music. What else we have? Oh, I actually found out what the, the pork sound from The Last Jedi is. I'm a big fan of the porks. In fact, call myself out. I was at work and saw another large gentleman like myself wearing an awesome pork shirt, and I had to be excited and ask where he got it. One of my roommates was witnessed this happen and laughed at me. But a pork sound, the way you get the sound, it's a turkey call, a little bit of chicken, a little dove, and then you cut it all together. So you take a little... And then you take a little bit of chicken, and a dove, and then you put it all together, and you get, <laughs> maybe I just put that story in there just because I wanted to do that. I don't know. In fact, no, because I didn't know I was going to do it until my brain decided to do it. Also, uh, just a little fun Easter egg from The Last Jedi. Uh, the Last Jedi Visual Dictionary is out there. You can check it out. You get lots of, of fun information. And one of them, they showed uh, some bombs from the bombers in the opening sequence. And uh, I guess that's a spoiler, but not really. But there's writing in Arabesh, which is the secret fancy code language of Star Wars. And in, in the writing in Arabesh, there is messages to Snoke and Han Solo. There's one that says, hi, Snoke, and one that says, Han says hi. And it, it's just a, it's a neat little thing. It's like the Rebels being like, F you, First Order, you, you killed Han Solo. So we write on the bombs, and as a military man, I have actually written on a bomb. I've, I've written on a bomb that was probably dropped somewhere because I had the opportunity, and that is the thing that the military does, and I, I just like it. I think it's cool. So Han says hi, and that's, that's what happened when, uh, when the bombs were dropped. Han said hi, and his hi was explosive, very explosive. Also, I saw, according to a source, George Lucas, his ideas for Episode 7 back when he was thinking about, you know, whether the movies could keep going. Apparently his ideas for Episode 7 were very similar to Ryan Johnson's vision, albeit with more nods to the prequels. But I, I just, you can actually look it up. There's some pictures that you can see and see more about what people were saying there. But uh, that's George Lucas really enjoyed Ryan Johnson's movie. And uh, that, that, I guess it just makes sense because he's like, oh, hey, you made the movie I sort of wanted to make. And, oh, okay, yeah. Good job, good job, man. Well, I would have liked some more prequels, but that Cantor Bite stuff was nice. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just, just interesting information. Also, a rumor that the Obi-Wan movie is going to start filming in 2018 under the name Joshua Tree. That's a little code name, you know, like Solo, or uh, Solo Cup? No, no. Red Solo Cup? I don't, I forget now. I know 
Space Dog or Space Bear was uh, episode eight. And then I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of the fake name for episode seven. But the point is, this Joshua Tree code name would be a nice nod because some of the scenes for Tatooine were shot in Joshua Tree National Park. Recently at the Golden Globes, actually, a reporter asked Ewan McGregor about the Han Solo movie, and he denied any knowledge of production. He said he'd still be willing to do it, but he doesn't know anything. But then some people have said, you know, recently he's uh, found the guru of P90X, Tony Horton, and started working out. Like, well, what role is going to be in that where he wants to be really buff and in good shape? Maybe it's Obi-Wan. And then, of course, he showed up at the award show with a beard. And he's like, oh, he's growing his beard. He's getting used to it. He's going to be Obi-Wan. We don't know. There will be news at some point, And I hope that there will be an Obi-Wan movie because I love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan in the prequels. Also, um, just a, a little thing, uh, if you like when people make 16-bit versions of stuff, actually somebody made a 16-bit version of the ending of The Last Jedi, uh, it's twitter.com slash stratmasterj, S-T-R-A-T-M-A-S-T-E-R-J, it's, it's really fun, it's the ending on Crate, and it's 16-bit, and it's really delightful, I actually saw a Lego version of the throne room scene, but that wasn't as good. They just stole the audio from the movie and then just did some Lego stuff. But this 16-bit Last Jedi ending uh, was done with Mr. Sunday Movies. The guy did it with him. And you can just look up right there, twitter.com slash J and check it out. Really, really fun. Really liked it. Also saw a little interview with Donald Glover about the solo of Star Wars story. Basically him saying that uh, with with Ron Howard taking over, that none of his stuff really changed that much. And then also, apparently, Tandy Newton said the same thing. Uh, I've also heard that 75% of this movie was reshot, so who knows if it's just PR stuff or if it's true. What I was more interested in was Donald Glover teasing a new from the outside of the Millennium Falcon to the inside of the Millennium Falcon shot that uh, Ron Howard did because nobody's ever seen it before, and them even discussing that nobody's seen that before. And that sort of I think it actually gets me even more excited for the Han Solo movie. I, I think it'll be good. I don't I don't know how much money it's gonna make. Everybody uh, has said it's gonna be gonna be a failure. We'll see because obviously the Last Jedi, regardless of what people think, even if people think I'm an idiot for liking it, which I really don't give a fuck if they do because they're wrong. Every opinion is valid, and there's no such thing as you're entitled to your wrong opinion. No, no, everybody's just entitled to their opinion. Nobody's really that great. We don't, we don't get to be the end-all, be-all. But The Last Jedi has made a shit ton of money. So I say, fuck anybody that doesn't like it. Because uh, that's fine. You're, you're entitled to not like it. But $1.103 billion worldwide is fine. You know, the movie costs $200 million, It has to make two and a half times to make money. So that's $550. Well, that's fine because it made $572.5 million as of yesterday domestic. And then I even saw Forbes, you know, didn't didn't fare as well in China as they wanted. I think it made like $27 million or something. So the grand total, according to Forbes, is $1.21 billion. And yes, that's not the $2 billion of The Force Awakens, but uh, that's fine. But that's also because a bunch of a-holes went out and said they hated it. And people do care about, about people's opinions. And if uh, somebody you like and you endorse says something's not worth it, then you might wait. And then The Last Jedi will make all that money when it comes out on video because then people are going to have to watch it that way. Because it's, it's, it's one of those things. Everybody's talking about it. So people want to see it, even if they're being hipsters and not checking it out. The Last Jedi deserves to make money. 
It's a movie I enjoy. Do I think it's the best Star Wars movie ever? No, because that's Empire Strikes Back. I think I already even said that on the podcast, but good for you, Last Jedi, making all that fat money. And uh, then we'll get Star Wars Episode Nine: The Day Y'all Got Home coming out. <laughs> it's not the actual title. I actually saw a thing where you're supposed to do predictive text and put Star Wars Episode Nine colon and then put the or uh, just the letter A, and see what your predictive text comes up with. And mine came up with Star Wars Episode Nine, The Day Y'all Got Home. And those are, of course, it gives you three words to pick from, and you just pick the words, so I like that. The Day Y'all Got Home. Because Chewie were home, and now this is the movie where everybody else gets home. <laughs> and then we'll just end uh, laughing up Buzzballs a little more somber. Uh, just got to say, if you didn't hear, Alfie Curtis who's the actor who played Dr. Evazan, a.k.a. Walrus Band's buddy in the Moss Eisley Cantina. He actually died one year to the day that we lost Carrie Fisher. He was age 89 when he died. Um, his notable line, of course, from A New Hope, was, you just watch yourself. Well wanted, men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. Yes. And then he got, then he got Ponda Balaba's arm done, chopped out, when he was messing with Luke in the Moss Eisley Cantina. And, uh, Dr. Evazan is among the stars now, and, uh, you know, for, for such a short little role, definitely memorable, and, and good sir, I hope you find a place right next to Kenny Baker, Carrie Fisher, and, uh, and, and sit down and, uh, and, and just realize there's nerds out there who appreciate your contribution. When, uh, when you showed up real quick, even if it didn't make the most sense in Rogue One, we were excited. Even though that wasn't you and it was somebody else wearing makeup to look like you, we were excited. And uh, it, and it's sad. It's sad that we're we're losing actors, but that's uh, you get older. I'm in my 30s, so you get older and you, you start losing people. And well, I didn't know my heart goes out to his family and to his friends and his fans. And I just want to make sure that I mentioned here on Laughing Up Fuzzball, because uh, while this is not a solely a Star Wars podcast, definitely Star Wars is near and dear to my heart, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned it. But uh, I guess that that's uh, that's all the the news I got. This is the podcast. The day y'all got home. This is uh actually it's Operation Noodle Butt. But I'm not not gonna to share my uh, my gastrointestinal frequencies with you. But uh, thanks so much for stopping by, friends. You know the drill. LaughingUpFuzzball.net is a website. LaughingUpFuzzballPodcast@gmail.com is an email where you can reach me. Facebook.com/LaughingUpFuzzballPodcast is the, the Facebook home for it. But more importantly, Laugh It Up Fuzzballs, Fuzzball with an S, is the Facebook group where you can talk about all sorts of geeky stuff. Hoping to see a lot of a lot of geeky conversation in 2018. Um, Facebook, or not Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, you can reach me at Wookie Riot. Just don't forget Wookie has two E's. And uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for staying classy. I actually have uh, some ideas for the future of the podcast. We'll see where it all heads. And uh, I look forward to this year. Thanks. Just thank you for listening. I thank you for being a part of this. And uh, thank you for listening to this idiot talk about life, the universe, and everything with most of the geek stuff. But uh, that's ID10T. ID10T, friends. This podcast brought to you by ID10T. Good to lubricate all your geeky things. <laughs> Brain lubricant. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just rambling now. But thank you. I, uh, I look forward to the next episode, which actually is going to be finally the last Jedi spoiler episode. It's coming up next. That'll be on Monday. Me, Danny, and Blue is pulling the shit out of the last Jedi and talking about it. Finally, it'll be a month later. Sticking, not backpedaling, saying it'll be a month before I spoiled anything. Even though I'll probably get more hits if it had come out earlier, but 
I care more about people getting the chance to watch it. And it's no longer number one in the in the box office. You got Jumanji and Insidious being number one. So it's fine. Now now is the time where we can spoil it and it'll be good. And it'll also give me that week to finally catch up on the TV stuff. And uh, then I'll be back at it with another episode for y'all, which will be so 75 will be The Last Jedi, the last podcast, if you will. And uh, then uh, you'll get episode 76, level 76. It'll probably be me solo. Again, talking to your host, but thanks for stopping by. I'll talk to you later. TTFN, Wookie, out.